0: Welcome to our podcast. We are the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium. We are dedicated to improving the quality and availability of health data for patient care, payment, quality measurement, and public policy. In our podcasts, we will talk with innovators in health data to make sense of where and how their contributions fit.
1: I'm Denny Brennan from the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, has finalized two interoperability rules to give patients direct access to their health care data. The first provisions of the rules impact healthcare care systems in as little as six months from now and health plans by the first of next year. The two rules, one issued by the HHS's Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, or ONC as we describe them, and one by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, were announced last year, and the final rules were issued last month. These rules will empower patients around a common aim, giving every American access to their medical information so they can make better health care decisions, according to a release issued by CMS. These rules require a lot from the industry, especially in the short term. Six months after publication in the Federal Register, for example, hospitals must support care coordination for patients by sending admission, discharge, and transfer notifications. In 2021, all health plans doing business in Medicare, Medicaid, the child health insurance program and the federally supported health exchanges, that is health insurance exchanges must share their health data with patients through a secure standards-based interface or what we call an API. The rule also requires payers to make their provider directories publicly accessible through a provider directory API starting in 2021. In this podcast, Richard Kramer, the Chief Healthcare Strategist for Informatica, and I are going to begin a conversation about interoperability, what it means, whether it's the right policy for the industry, and what it portends.
2: All right, Richard Kramer, Informatica, thank you for joining us today.
0: Glad to be here, Danny, thank you for the opportunity.
2: Richard, you and I are are doing our best in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic to conduct a podcast uh, remotely. So, uh, so far, so good. It appears we have uh, good audio and uh, the technology that we need to do this is supporting us. So I think we're off to a good start. Um, The interoperability final rules uh, released by the CMS and ONC just uh, a matter of weeks ago have caused a lot of organizations in the industry to express concerns about everything from protecting patient data, about the costs that are going to be borne by payers and providers to create an interoperable health system, about how fast the implementation is expected to occur, about this brand new technology, and about a number of other issues should we be as reluctant as those concerns might make some feel?
0: Uh, So the, the short answer is no, right? I think we should be enthusiastic, not reluctant. And I've been in healthcare for 25 years or so, essentially all of that time involved in interoperability at some point or of some type. And at this point, it's time for the industry to get over ourselves and just get on with it. I think we doth protest too much, right? Uh, And there's no doubt that information sharing and having a comprehensive view of a member or a patient's history is a very useful thing. I think we've gotten away with not being interoperable for a really long time, because even if we had that comprehensive view, we really weren't going to do that much with it anyway. But if we look at what we're doing with analytics and predictive modeling and population health and digital engagement, all of those things only really happen and happen well when we have a complete view of the end-to-end history of a member or a patient. And so now that the value of having that data is so potentially great, all of the excuses for not doing it sort of pale by comparison. And, and in your intro to the question, you sort of mentioned the, the phrase new technology. There's not a lick of new technology in this. This technology is a decade or more old. What, what uh, CMS and ONC have done is they've just given us a nice roadmap on how to actually do this. So far from being reluctant, far from looking to postpone, we should be looking to lean into this and do it as soon as we possibly can because now we have the roadmap on how to get there.
2: You know, I agree with you, Richard. Um, We've convened as a consortium, you know, four health plans and six large provider organizations to tackle this interoperability challenge. And these organizations... Are fully behind this change, not so much because they believe that it is uh, very important for patients, which they do, very important for members, which they do, but they also recognize that this is the way other industries communicate. And, you know, as we talked to our board of directors some years back, we asked them why can't payers and providers share? the kind of data that improve the value of healthcare and improve the consumers experience. What's holding us up? And, you know, to their credit, this is going back several years now, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Stewart Healthcare, who are members of our collaborative, were the first to take us up on that question. And, you know, we now have this data governance collaborative. And No one in that group believes for one moment that this is an insurmountable challenge. If anything, I would suspect they believe that having everybody do it at once to get together uh, collectively is is essential. Uh, It can't be accomplished by one organization at a time. a second question I, I have of you, Richard, is that uh, the CMS rule uh, from the Center of Med- for Medicare and Medicaid Services applies to their paid-for businesses. you've described it before, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, the Child Health Insurance Program, and the federally funded health insurance exchanges. Do you think consum- uh, commercial insurers will follow suit? Should they?
0: So, so uh, I, I definitely think they should, right? I mean, if we if we look at the fact that interoperability and data sharing is for the common good, and the the good one of the nicest things about the healthcare industry is we really only practice one way, and and you know, tends to be we practice that one way how CMS takes us because they pay so much of the bill, but I think if if we're going to implement the architecture to do this well. And to do it efficiently and to share data and all of those things, there's no reason why we would do it for our Medicare book of business or our Medicaid book of business and not do it for our, our other members as well or our other patients as well. And, and you know, arguably, your commercial book of business data sharing is as important, if not more important than it is for your Medicare book of business. So I'm hopeful that organizations will look at this and say, yes, we should do it across the board and and to your point in the in the earlier discussion you were doing this before h you were talking about your data governance collaborative before the the proposed rule was even out Right. So your members were looking to do this for their entire books of business because it was the right thing to do anyway. And I think the thing that's so exciting is, is that rather than having to figure out what the architecture looks like and what data you should share and the role of the patient in, in granting consent for that sharing, you now actually have have permission and a roadmap that can really, I think, accelerate your collaborative because of this.
2: Well, thank you. We do. Um, it's very exciting. Um, you know, it, you're absolutely right about, you know, where Medicare leads, uh, the commercial uh, insurance industry is going to follow. We've seen that happen with everything from DRGs to the implementation of other value-based, uh, it, you know, programs coming from the federal government. We also know that for commercial insurers who have Medicare or Medicaid business through their Medicare Advantage or their managed Medicaid lines of business, they don't have the systems to turn one on and leave one off, if you will, to, to be interoperable, interoperable for one book of business and not for another, Um, you know, in for, you know, in for a dime, in for a dollar, uh, this is an important change that has to happen across the entire health plan segment, um, and I know that the CIOs, the CTOs, the, the chief architects in our collaborative, as you pointed out, and have been talking about this for several years, and know it's, it's the right thing to do and the right place to go. Um, now, on the healthcare provider side, we have organizations that have, you know, relative to health plans, simpler, if that's the right word, less complicated, less complex systems. You know, electronic health records have not been around that long. Um, The health plan systems are pretty monolithic. Uh, They have claim systems, some of them are decades old, and care management systems that have to manage the care management requirements for multiple uh, customers, whether they're customers who are self-insured or customers who are accepting, you know, the full services of the health plan. Um, how can the health plans go about extracting, and this applies to the providers too, but how can these organizations go about extracting the correct data securely from these systems and make them available to the member?
0: Yeah, and Denny, and, and just for all of our, our colleagues in the healthcare provider market that are bristling at your characterization of their information systems as being simple, uh, I think they're mo- more modern, right, as opposed to some of the antiquated uh, systems that the payers have, as you described. Uh, but simple is probably not the adjective we would use. Uh, okay. It, but but your 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 question is spot on the money, right? That says, hey, I am going to be responding to a a API call from the outside world that is going to require me to collect. The claims history with payment details, with the with the clinical data that I have about a member, right? As a health plan. That's that's what's gonna happen. And we certainly know architecturally we don't want those API calls to hit our back end production systems. First off, they're not probably prepared to answer that. B, they're not sized to do that. They're not you don't want you know some amount of workload that's indeterminate and unmanaged from the outside world hitting your production systems. So so architecturally, the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to externalize the data that supports those, those API calls from your production systems. Right. So so and you know, lots of technologies are available to do that, to connect to a mainframe, to connect to a database, to connect to an application and to move the relevant data into a staging area. And the thing that's exciting that's happened over the last five years or so are these data architectures that are inherently far, far more flexible than what we would have had to do in the past. Right. In, in today's world, we take all of that data and we simply land it in a data lake as opposed to you know, in years past, we would have to design a physical relational database schema and we'd have to do all this extract, transform, load. And I mean, it would be an enormous effort in years past to simply get the data out and land it in a relational database, whereas the, the data lake in a modern architecture makes that completely possible. If we really wanna do it well, we would land that data in a cloud platform like Azure or AWS or Google. And then you would work on that data there to ensure the quality and whatnot and service the API request uh, via fire from the outside world. Uh, probably the more challenging part of the architecture, and you've alluded to it previously, is the whole issue of patient consent, right? Because the key to all of this is that CMS and HHS have declared unequivocally that the patient owns their data. And a big part of this rule is it's the patient who tells the health plan, share my data. And so managing that consent is is probably the crux capability of implementing this. And it requires that you know uniquely who your member or who the patient is so that you can actually ascribe their consent appropriately. You need to know what data they're saying to share. You need to know the effective date of when it starts and when it stops. And all of those components of consent management, which you know, the actual data sharing itself and the moving of the data and translating it into a fire message, all of that is very, very straightforward, almost simple. Whereas the consent management is probably the, the real important net new capability that we need to be thinking of. And, and then, you know, the other piece uh, to your question about why people would do this I think that or why they would do it beyond just their their uh, CMS plans is once you have this data and once you start to do predictive analytics on it and we see the power for population health and patient engagement and member satisfaction of doing things with this data to make the consumer experience that much more engaging and that much more successful, it's going to become the only way you want to do business right? And so if I'm going to be doing that and building all of those predictive models as part of my my CMS book of business, well, by golly, I'm definitely going to want to do that for my commercial book of business as well, because you're going to realize that having this perspective of all of the data, you know, a 360 degree view of all of the information about a member is so compelling, you're going to want to do it for everybody.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, The the, the regulations, the final rules, really regard the payers, the providers, and even the consumer and their smart device, their handheld digital device. They're largely regarded as black boxes in in, in the rules. Um, you know, it's incumbent on providers with their less complex. And you're right; I shouldn't be calling them simple. Uh, that that's definitely. A, <laughs> It's definitely probably going to get me a few calls back later on but <laughs> but 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 even with you know even as complex or less complex as the underlying systems are, you know these these organizations have to be able to present data that's necessary in order for consumers to make better decisions in order for caregivers to make better decisions in order for health plans to make better decisions and if we look at the situation we're in as we speak with the covid-19 pandemic one can uh, can think of a number of of scenarios where having you know a real-time information ecosystem for healthcare you know, in, in for example, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or the greater New England region would have had tremendous benefits to determining where patients are being seen, what kind of symptoms they're experiencing, um, what type of providers they're seeing. There's a lot of information that is very difficult to move around now that, you know, our members for sure know that they have to be prepared going forward to move it around, not only within their own enterprise, but also at making it available to other members of the ecosystem. And as you described, consent management is huge. It's not, uh, this is not, you know, let the data be free. This is really make the data available, make the data secure and provide the consent management, access management framework that allows the right people to access the right information when they need it. Um, so you, we've talked a little bit and you've alluded to you know, setting up staging areas, organizations needing to move data from production systems to you know, staging systems so that they can be made available to you know, external parties. What will it take for organizations to move their data to, you know, quote unquote, the edge of their, of their enterprises? What's required of them to do this?
0: Well, I think, Denny, the, the first step is they need to decide that they want to do it. Right. That, that, hey, let's get on with it. The technology is available. It's the right thing to do. Let's not do it as a compliance initiative. Let's do it because we need to do it. And And the thing that's exciting about Massachusetts is with your consortium, you've already got a group of willing participants that have decided they want to do it. Yeah, well before it became a compliance issue. So so you've got the will to do it in Massachusetts. I think other organizations need to decide, let's get on with it. Let's not, you know, delay this and let's do it right, right? Let's not try and just do it for the 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 narrow definition of the rule, but let's put in place a great interoperability data sharing architecture that, you know, is industrial scale. And so that involves, as we talked about, you want to externalize the data from your backend system so that the, you don't have this workload hitting that. You want to be able to put it into a modern data architecture that is a data lake in the cloud with all of the elastic scalability and the performance and storage that you have avail- available to it. You want to be able to apply the, the, the self-service data preparation and a lot of those things to it. So we shouldn't look at this and say, okay, I'm going to put it in a data lake, I'm going to put it in the cloud, and then I'm going to argue and fight for years over what the relational database schema or what the, the database schema looks like that I'm putting in the cloud for my data lake. The whole point is don't bother with that. Right. Let's let's look at this as a next generation data architecture opportunity and apply all of the transformation and data quality things when the data is consumed that gives us natural agility and, and fast time to value. And again, all of these sorts of capabilities are widely available in the market. They've been widely available in the market. So there's no invention. There's very little technology risk. It really is just a decision to say, let's get on with it and build a data management architecture for information sharing you know, to move forward with.
2: Yeah, uh, yours are good points. Um, you know, For uh, our, our collaborative organizations know how complicated or how complex the technical challenges. And frankly, they've known this for a long time, but what we've agreed as a principle of the work we do is that, you know, the final rules are, are explicit about how this needs to happen. You know, we're focused on open APIs and, and Fire a standard for the use of those interfaces. Um, the, the federal government, through CMS and ONC, hasn't asked the industry to do anything that is either excessively prescriptive or... Out of date. Um, granted, there will come a time when open APIs and Fire will be replaced or upgraded to to better, faster, cheaper technologies. But but what o- ONC and CMS have provided providers and health plans is you know pretty industry standard stuff. No inventions required here. Um, you know for for our consortium and collaborative members the real challenge is how do they use these technologies to deliver the right data you know as you described earlier cleaned transformed rationalized so that it can be used uh, you know by everyone who needs to use it but how can our members use these technologies to deliver against specific use cases you know the federal government has said you know health plans need to stand up a patient API or a member API so that the individual member can download their information from the health plan directly. They've also, you know, insist, you know, in the rules require health plans to to implement a provider directory API. Now these are provider directories and, you know, patient claims and, and care management information are, are, Standard currency in healthcare. Um, I think the challenge for our members is going to be how do we do this as quickly as the rules require? Granted, we've been given some extensions in enforcement. Both CMS and ONC have come out with uh, announcements today and yesterday that they're going to relax their enforcement timetables, but they haven't given a lot. Uh, you know, reading between the lines, you know the dates remain the, chain, the same, but the the enforcement timetables are being pushed out a bit. So, so I agree. I think we're 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 close to seeing you know healthcare move to a much more industry standard approach to to making data available to consumers, to other members of the care team, and the like. You know, one of the things that I was interested in your thoughts uh, on Richard were, you know with our data governance collaborative you know one of the things that we've agreed to as a principle to start off our work is that this idea that data in and of themselves you know the individual bits and bytes the individual measures lab values what have you that for many organizations uh, these have been considered you know sort of proprietary a strategic asset and our as a data governance collaborative is, no, the data are are fuel to drive analytics, to drive risk adjustment, to drive, you know, grouping, uh, a number of of important analyses that are going to distinguish organizations from each other much more than the the raw materials, if you will, that are the core data. Um, What are your thoughts about that?
0: I uh, could, could not agree more, uh, Denny. I, I think as an industry, we've hoarded data as a raw material because we, we perceived that data was power. I think also, you know, for decades in healthcare, we have a challenge that we have used data and reporting punitively you know, both inside organizations and between organizations, right? The fear of a provider, if I gave the payer access to all of this rich data, they're going to use it punitively, you know, to identify non low performers and pay them less. And, and so I think that in addition to getting past the hoarding data as a raw material and, and strategic advantage, we also as an industry need to say, hey, we're going to share this data and we're going to share the data for the common good, not the common punishment. Right. And I think that that's that's historically been a challenge as as an industry. And I think the other piece that's so exciting and, you know, you've been doing this uh, longer than I have. But before, whenever we talked about interoperability, it was always about we need to create a a new centralized infrastructure. And once we create this new centralized infrastructure, we have to figure out how to pay for it, which is a whole mess. And then once we figure out how to pay for it, we got to figure out how to govern it, which is a whole mess. Right, and what's so exciting about the modern technologies today? There is no centralized infrastructure. It's everybody needs to do their own part. It's like everybody needs to buy their own fax machine, and then we can share stuff. And so I think that that you know, and this was the the roadmap that your your data governance collaborative set out upon three years ago was how do we share data with each uh, organization doing their own part to participate. And that, to me, is the beginning of this idea of radical interoperability, right? The idea, how can we create a data fabric that extends across the entire industry where everybody gets to participate and share information without having to create this monolithic centralized infrastructure? And that's the roadmap that we have. And I think we're on the precipice of something hugely exciting and desperately needed for for data and healthcare.
2: Well, Richard Kramer, on the note of radical interoperability. I really look forward to talking with you more about that in our next podcast with you. Um, and I want to thank you and thank Informatica, you know, a longstanding executive member of our organization for, for kicking off this exciting discussion with us. So I look forward to following up with, the, with you very soon. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today.
0: Thank you, Danny. Really enjoyed the
2: conversation. Likewise. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast today. For more information on the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium and other podcasts, please go to our website, mahealthdata.org, where you can find more information and upcoming events. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook.